this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode the sudden televised withdrawal of the three contentious farm laws by prime minister narendra modi on november 19 was as dramatic as pushing through the three bills by voice vote in the rajya sabha in november last year gripped by a still to be explained urgency these three laws were issued as presidential ordinances in june 2020 there is little doubt that mr modi's hand was forced by the relentless agitation launched by the farmers of punjab western up and haryana who have been sitting on delhi's borders since november last year demanding the complete withdrawal of the three laws the writing on the electoral wall as many analysts have pointed out has also been clearly read by the prime minister as the states of up and punjab slip into election mode farmer leaders meanwhile affirm that their demand for a minimum support price or msp should be given statutory shape by the center even as they've deferred a decision on whether or not to withdraw the agitation to the end of november to discuss what might happen next and the future of the farmers movement and agricultural reforms i am joined today by ajay v jakhar chairman of the bharat krishak samaj welcome to in focus mr jakhar thank you for having me here thank you my first question to you mr jakhar are the farmer leaders being unreasonable by not ending the agitation and returning to their villages after prime minister modi announced the withdrawal of the three contentious agricultural laws you can't uh, blame the farmer leaders for being skeptical about government promises they have been broken in the past and i think it's reasonable enough for them to say that they will wait for the parliament to repeal those bills which is what's legally required right do you think the withdrawal should have been part of talks and an overall settlement with the farmer leaders i think it does not make a difference why the withdrawals took place or what is the process employed or was there political pressure these things are not relevant to us as a farmers organization what is relevant is what is happening and what will follow thereafter right you you spoke in a sense of the trust deficit between the farmer leaders uh, and the government what do you think are the reasons for this uh, trust deficit i think it's not to do with these three laws in particular but it's it's the way policy is framed in india and this has nothing to do with the bjp or with the central government it is the same story state after state after state you look at it at every level there is no process of designing objectives or there is no process of designing a pathway to reach those objectives normally some people sitting somewhere think that they know what is best for the people they are working for or designing for they will design things and they'll push it down our throats and uh, this is this is why our trust deficit builds up i think if a proper process of consultations had taken place before these laws were made into ordinances and then into a law what we would actually find is that the difference of opinion between the government and farmer union leaders would have not been as big as it is today a lot of those contentious issues would have been taken away from these bills at that point and uh, to the satisfaction of farmer leaders even today i think the government realizes that some of the stuff in each of those bills should not have been there but uh, 
had those consultations taken place before over a period of one year, I think so we would have had credible reform of which farmers would be happy, farmers unions would be happy and the government would have something on the scorecard of having delivered something for farmers. Now that, uh, you know, Mr. Modi has uh, announced uh, the withdrawal and there will be obviously, as you mentioned, a process through parliament. I mean, the farmer leaders are talking about other demands, including a statutory minimum support price or MSP. I mean, given your vast experience in writing and uh, being part of the agricultural sector, uh, do you think that this demand is a realistic one? I think so. All demands have to be assessed on the fine print that comes with it. There, there, there is a good intention. There is a there is a good objective, but it's the fine print that makes something succeed or something fail. So I think I would not want to jump the gun and say that it is very good or it is very bad. I think uh, we need to go. We need to dive deep into this and come up with a concrete implementation plan. Like I was saying earlier, there needs to be consultation to design this approach, which which clearly gives pathways to the very end where positive outcomes can be achieved. And I think that's what needs to be done. We need to uh, do a deep dive, spend time on it, answer queries, answer skeptics, answer questions that people might have about this approach. Because we don't want to start on an approach and then realize after two years that it's not working. We can't afford to lose any more time. In your view, uh, you know, what do you think are the major issues that face the farming community and agriculture in India? You wrote a piece in the Indian Express recently when you talk of so many farmer agitations and you rightly point out that these issues have been there much before these uh, farm bills and laws were introduced. So in your view, what are the main issues uh, that farmers face uh, in the country today? I think uh, land holding sizes are very small for them to be sustaining livelihoods and incomes of farmers. Then there's obviously the issue of uh, weather risk, which is increasing as climate is changing. Then there is the, ri- uh, the risk of the markets, of how markets perform. So there, there are multiple risks and let's not uh, put them into categories. But there's one risk that I would specifically want to uh, talk about is that comes from public policy. And that is the risk that is in the hands of the central government in order to ensure that food inflation is not there to mitigate food inflation, to control food inflation. Farmers are used as tools. So arbitrary decision making by the government to ensure that consumers don't pay a higher price for food is one of the factors that leads to farm distress and its its accompanying uh, consequences. You rightly point to, you know, the issue of uh, food inflation. We also see on our television screens or, uh, you know, in pictures, you know, uh, from time to time, farmers, are, you know, onion is lying on the road or potatoes are lying on the road. I mean, this is one sign of distress to people living in cities. I mean, how do you think that these issues can actually be addressed? Is it something which uh, can be left entirely to the market alone? Or is there should be a hybrid system of purchase, uh, you know, by the government and also allowing market forces to work? I, I think no one solution is possible. No one shoe fits all solution is possible. It will need to be a combination of minimum support prices, some procurement for India's nutrition security requirements. It will require a price risk mechanism uh, to address price risk, address 
weather risk, and also we need a, a food systems approach of how do you link the health of the people and the health of the planet by making sure that individuals have availability of nutritious food while it gives sustainable livelihoods to those engaged in production of food. And it's, it's a complex thing. It's not easy to do. And uh, I think those skill sets don't exist in the country and they need to be developed. That, and this is, this is the big problem of going ahead. We need to design a food systems approach which looks at all these issues with the same lens rather than designing a MSP separately, a weather risk separately, a price risk mechanism separately. We, we need to look at look at that in one lens. Uh, I just want to add on this uh, that the difference we have as a farmers organization with the government and with the media which supports the government is that they truly believe that India is a food secure country. While we as a farmers organization believe that this is a big illusion. We seem to be food secure because people in the country cannot afford a nutritious meal today. Tomorrow, when the demand for food goes up as the economy improves, and on the other hand, we have the climate emergency, which is already coming in, which is already seeping in, which impacts production of food, increases price and weather risk, fluctuation in prices. I think we are, we are in some, for some really tough times and the government is not prepared for it. And when I say the government, I specifically don't mean the politicians because politicians come and go. I'm more, uh, more focusing on the scientists. I'm more focusing on the agriculture research system and I'm more focusing on the bureaucracy. In 2016, um, uh, Mr. Jakar, the Prime Minister, uh, you know, spoke about doubling uh, farmers' income, something you uh, refer to in your article as well. And the deadline uh, for achieving this uh, is August next year. Do you think that there has been uh, some prep, enough preparation and you think the country is, is, it, is it likely to be able to meet uh, this goal of doubling farmers' income by 2022? I don't want to crack jokes on the podcast. I don't think so. It's possible. I think so. You should be asking the government how they're going to deliver this. Uh, I personally don't think it's it's possible. So, I mean, th these are some of the issues that farmers have been talking about that, you know, they need to be part of the process to take decisions about themselves. So how, you know, given that there is a distrust between the farmers now and the government, though there were several rounds of talks and dialogue uh, during the agitation, I mean, what is it that the government can do or the farmers' organizations can do to remove this distrust? I think the government is under the illusion that its programs are working very well. It genuinely believes. So let, let's start with the assumption that the intention of the government is good. I mean, as a farmer's organization, I would say every elected government's intentions are good to help its citizens. How they want to achieve something, they, they will choose a particular path. And the governments keep believing that their path is the right path. And we never get to meet uh, getting positive outcomes as as envisioned in those in those uh, programs and policies so to build trust i think so what is really important is that the government allow, asks the stakeholders not even stakeholders the beneficiaries of each program to assess those programs so the government knows the real story about the delivery we cannot expect government officers to allow 
beneficiaries to do an assessment of the programs they are running. It's, it's never happened in the world. And this is the important part, an assessment of programs by the intended beneficiaries for the government to take learning from it. I think the government should not shy away from it. I think it's the bureaucracy which does not allow this to happen because it will bear all the skeletons in the chest. Right. This point you make about the bureaucracy and the scientist community, I mean, given uh, still India's economy is so heavily dependent on agriculture, uh, how can we breach this so that the delivery mechanisms for the farmers improve in a way? I think so. We just uh, we 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 need to spend uh, time and money. We need to innovate process uh, policy making. You know, we need to innovate in the pro how does policy is made. How is policy making done? We need to have innovation there. And uh, if that process is good, I'm sure programs can be designed. I'm, I'm sure programs can be designed which will lead to positive outcomes. And would you say, uh, I mean, given the fact that the entire world is now focused on climate change, I mean, the issue of overuse of fertilizers and chemical pesticides and the extreme weather events that you referred to earlier, you think farmers are aware of these issues and, uh, you know, are they interested in addressing them? I think so. Farmers are aware of the issues. Farmers are very receptive to new ideas, to new technologies, which has been uh, seen over the last many decades. Now, the question is, can the government design that transition to regenerative agriculture? Can the government design not only the transition, but to address the pain that will come with the transition? Every transition will have winners and losers. And people who lose out, their pain needs to be addressed. Their loss needs to be addressed. And that requires a policy that requires an identification that requires uh, independent assessment. And that's the crucial part. It can be done, but it needs to be designed and it needs to be an end to end solution. Uh, Mr. Jakar, we saw in, uh, I guess, one of the uh, one of the sort of benefits of the farmers agitation has been that all these issues are very much in the public domain. I mean, the fact that the farmers came and took center stage during the protests, the kind of social media interactions, all that is now very much there in the public domain. And the government also, in its own wisdom, after the decisions it took, has taken a step back and accommodated the farmers' demands. Now, what do you think is the way forward? What, what is it that can be done together? I think the government has already announced a committee to recommend uh, the way ahead. I think if that committee was not too big, I think if that committee was a small committee with uh, with stakeholders on both sides of the fence, it would be nice. They could set up different committees for different different issues. They could ask farmers to give ideas. And I think farmers should be giving ideas. If a particular organization is suggesting for a particular action to happen, then that organization should volunteer to give detailed plans of how that particular action can be rolled out for the government to assess it. Uh, so in your view, how likely is that? I mean, do you see that are the kind of attitudes, uh, is there any softening of attitudes? Or we also saw, you know, the recent incident that happened in Lakhimpur Kheri and the deaths of farmers there. Clearly, those, uh, those kinds of incidents are not going to lead to a softening of approach. I think there are rogue elements in every government. 
in 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 every establishment at every level and i i really think the government would want to solve the problem because it's in best interest of the government to solve the problem it's in the best interest of the country that the problem of farm distress gets solved so i'm i'm particularly confident that government will take the right steps uh, moving forward you know farmers are very optimistic people we always we always believe that the good will come out from wherever we wherever we may be standing at that particular moment on that optimistic note uh, mr ajay v jakhar thank you for talking to the hindus in focus podcast thank you so much amit thank you for having me on the show in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify apple podcasts stitcher and other platforms just search for in focus by the hindu we'll see you soon